You're listening to the Beauty Me podcast, which is all about beauty without the BS. If you're interested in how the worlds of beauty and wellness are intertwined, or you're obsessed with daily rituals of skincare and self-care, or you just want to know the latest when it comes to new beauty, this is for you. I'm your host, Sharice Kenyon. This week's episode is something a bit different. Instead of the usual audio conversation, I decided to host my first live podcast on Instagram. So if you haven't checked it out and you want to see me and my guest in the flesh, go to at Beauty Me Podcast on Instagram and you'll see it on my IGTV. My guest is Paris Omar, a Liverpudlian law student and model. Over the past month, we've often chatted in the DMs about our mixed heritage, and shared our thoughts on how others view us, particularly when it comes to our hair. I wanted to ask Paris onto the show to discuss how she feels as a mixed race model, how the industry has affected how she views herself and her beauty, and why straight hair is still viewed as more sexy and glamorous than curls. You can find Paris on Instagram at It's Paris Chanel, and I hope you love it. My morning routine is literally just moisturizer and i will add in some uh, spf as well so i have willaser skin food i mean if you're not on it if you don't know get to know i can't wear um, that I, I was gonna say it's not it's not too great for people with um with oily skin and yeah um but yeah for me i do have I, I have normal skin really um i always find myself very unqualified when it comes to the you know what skin type for you um, that question because I, I I never know how to respond. It's just it's skin. <laughs> it's true. That's it. We're getting round to that these days. I think it's skin. I think um, I've spoken to a few like dermatologists and experts, and many of them are even like, "There's no such thing as dry skin." The way people say it, because dry skin you would know from birth, like you would not produce sebum. Dry skin is right. not like it's not like you know oh, I'm a bit flaky. I'm dry. So. I think skincare will change, but we need to go backwards, Paris, because I meant from the minute you open your eyes, I want to know, you know, some people tell me about their toilet, everything. Oh, right. Open okay. your eyes. So I, yeah. Okay. So shamefully, I have to admit that I do check my phone as soon as I open my eyes. Maybe that's something that I have to work on eventually. Um, normally, I will eat some... So. Yeah, I'll probably try and sit around in bed as long as possible because, I mean, who doesn't love the bed? <laughs> um, I love bread. I'm such a carby person. So if I can have bread for every meal of the day, I will. So normally I'll go down, have some toast. I used to have lots of coffee, and I think you're aware of this as well. We had a conversation about <laughs> yeah. it. And, yeah, I'm cutting it out completely now because it was too much. Why? Because I yeah. I know you were going heavy when you were doing your your final dissertation, <laughs> but have you experienced like are you just staying up too late? Is it causing you to stay up too long? It was at the time, and it, I sort of knew it was going to happen at some point when I started university. I did, and even modelling, a lot of people, you know, let's go for a coffee, let's do this, and I just drank tea or hot chocolate. That was it. I didn't like uh, coffee at all. Um, and it was only until second year uni, which was last year, where I sort of started to take a little bit of a take into coffee. And I think it really was more so to keep myself up awake, um, understanding that I had a limited time to do work. And I, 
this was sort of my energy boost. And as you know, we, this is where it sort of went a bit, you know, off the edge. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, towards the end of the degree, it was like my best friend. And, you know, I could have had six cups a day. And it was horrendous at some point because I found myself, um, I did 24-hour exams, which meant we had to write 3,000 words in 24 hours. Um, yeah, it was what? really, really intense. And they come out at 2 p.m on the day so it would it would ultimately mean you would have to stay up until late um so i found myself finishing exams on the day maybe an hour before it was due and my heart was literally beating through my chest hands were shaking palms were sweating it started an m&m song basically (laughs) It, it really was horrendous um i knew i had to stop eventually and someone did say to me that could be why you've got really, really bad anxiety at the moment. And it did, yeah. you know, I think we're all sort of becoming a little bit more aware of mental health now. Mm-hmm. You don't really immediately think about that. And for me, and, you know, naively, I thought I'm this confident person, whatever. And I've had my experiences with uh, mental health the last couple of years. But now I am becoming a lot more aware of these things to the point where I look at coffee and go, actually, I've already got a little bit of anxiety. Can I cope with a little bit of more? No, I don't. I don't want that. So that's why um, I think it's time to just give it a rest. I don't need it anymore. It's nice to actually just wake up organically and be I, awake. I need to try that, but I'm sure you won't <laughs> mind me um, sharing with people. I remember as it was coming to the end of your dissertation being handed in, I remember going on your stories and I think you must have posted it like about midnight or 1am and were you rapping or something like oh my god yeah and I sent you a DM and I was like are you okay I feel like you've gone through to the other side it was it was yeah it it was a lot of songs were going through my head at the time just I think I just felt really mentally tormented by everything in life at that point um so yeah I was I was having a little rapping session and you have to check in just to make sure that I was still there with some brain cells left. <laughs> but you did great. Um, I mean, but what made you, because obviously you had the coffee, you were going through this very yeah. stressful process. You wanted to do your best, at, you know, with your degree, your dissertation, the exams, the course, what, everything. But I feel like what else were you doing to kind of keep yourself going? apart from the coffee like were you taking time out or were you just like in it I you know what I actually really didn't take much time out I did you know it would be like the odd half an hour or so or Real Housewives episodes just doing something really to treat yourself Um, and a lot of that meant food which you know I felt the after effects now I need to just go to the gym a couple of days and back to normal now but I mean if you want to eat that food eat it you're going through a stressful time get them endorphins, eat your chocolate. So I am a massive, you know, eat your feelings type of girl. Me too. Um, so, you know, it, it was on speed dial there and then, and I was I was ready to order at any point. That was ultimately my uh, survival pack, I think. Yeah. Coffee, ordering food, and the Real Housewives every so often when I could. Yeah, you just did what you needed to do to get you get you through that time. Yeah. Definitely. Um, now your routine, I'm guessing, has changed a little bit. You don't have all the study to do. 
have you found more time to like to get to the gym relax just have downtime yeah definitely I think it's now sinking in that I've actually finished I think in the first couple of days I literally felt so lethargic I, I felt like I was floating definitely because I hadn't had enough sleep I'd had a couple of hours each night at times so it was really played tricks on my mind I think and I almost felt like I hadn't done exams yet even though I just had the, the most toughest intense week of my life I to finish and be like you haven't done the hard work yet it was <laughs> like I, I can't even describe how odd the feeling was and definitely it was anticlimactic to press that button and go submit that's it no. <laughs> there's no no celebration no there's, there's no, no one there saying you did it yeah so but yeah now it has changed and it's it's definitely um i've i feel a lot more peaceful um one good thing that has came from it though is that i really do enjoy getting up in the mornings and i think i always have been a morning person but even more so now and i'm really conscious not to you know fall into the habit of now being this a lazy student I shouldn't um, even call myself a think. student anymore but <laughs> just you know I did have to sleep uh, through the day a couple of days afterwards but then once I was recharged I'm ready I'm back doing a to-do list and that's ultimately what keeps me going and makes me happy uh, being productive so yes gym you know so treating yourself I'm enjoying that now and makeup too um well, I've got tan skin now, so I'm sort of embracing that now. But it's nice just to have time just to do makeup and sit there and experiment. Can you remember like the first time that you even clicked that beauty was this thing? Like, what was your first sighting of it? Well, from a young age, I do remember having, and it must have been literally from Argos. You go through the pages of Argos, and you would find like a makeup sort of case trunk (laughs) and I mean god forbid what the makeup must have been like but you know you'd open it up and there would be literally like loads of eyeshadows loads of lipstick I think I discovered makeup a lot through my mum's sister my auntie the other side of the family was very much and my dad was as well so was my mum they were very much you know anti-makeup well not so much anti but just you know we want you to grow up and really be comfortable with who you are before you know using this makeup and it should never be too much you should always uh, be comfortable with who you are and just add to what you've got okay that that was their opinion um my auntie on the other hand was I think I got to see her through like a Geordie Shaw days she's, she's quite young so I, I would get to see, you know, I'd go to her house and stay over and there'd be like a full room with all of the outfits that you've got to go out in and, you know, <laughs> doors with like shoes on and on the other side shoes and lots of high heels. So she bought me that and I remember getting that taken off me at one point because I was so upset with makeup and coming down with like crazy, you know, eyeshadows and like just everything on my face basically so but, how, um, how old were you then when when she bought you I this? must have been that's got to be around 10 oh like, wow that is pretty really young, young yeah. Where, yeah and well, that's probably why it was taken off of me <laughs> but it was for me it was very much uh, um let me use my head as, a, as you know the mannequin head that you normally buy <laughs> yeah, yeah let me recreate brass 
solved on my face. Um, so that was sort of my perspective of things. Maybe I've got a sanity parents for confiscating that at some point. <laughs> I don't know what makeup I'd be wearing now, but yeah, so I did that and then I probably said properly came into contact again with it in secondary school because I was the only one really out of all of my friends that wasn't allowed to wear makeup and didn't. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was it was interesting that too. And then, you know, going to parties and stuff, it would just be a well a prom. I literally had a makeup artist do eyeshadow and I would it. put a bit of blusher on and that was it, yeah. I, I wasn't allowed foundation and that was almost like a massive word in this house and it still is because my younger sister who's 14, it's like, no, you're not going near that for a very long time. Do you mind just... So it, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, can you just explain, because it's that is quite a a staunch view to take like where where did it come from was it mostly your mum or your dad because obviously your dad you can kind of read into it that a father doesn't want his daughter looking older than she is or but where did it come from I think it was it was definitely both sides and it's interesting to look at this because um I did the same with um when I was looking into tan as well it was like did they want when they used to say to me you know black girls they wear tan was that some sort of internalised colourism going on or was it more so just embrace the skin that you've got? And I really do think it was the latter. And it was the same with makeup. It was very much, you know, any makeup that you should wear, it should just be, you know, enhancing what you have. And I think they were really keen on making sure I knew who I was and was proud of that before anything else. And I do actually really thank, you know, I thank my parents for that lesson because, it has brought me to a better point. It personally, I know it's different for other people. Um, I remember my friends, one of my friends used to say, you know, I, I wish I sort of did that before I, I tried some of this stuff mm. because she'd grown and learned about makeup at the same time. Yeah. And I remember her saying that she, she had such a lack of confidence and it was, she couldn't walk out of the door without, without wearing foundation. And, that was at like 15 so it was interesting and also going into the shop as well because I was, you know the shades weren't the same as they were then yeah. and that's that's not long ago either no. you know, I'm 22 now so seven years ago it, it was very much in a scene like the mousse foundations and stuff <laughs> like that yeah <laughs> yeah and I was led to believe as well you know there's not like that's not really a thing for black girls and I remember discovering a brand when we went to London one time and it was called Black Up which yes. was makeup for black girls and it was like what like <laughs> and we were really like we were really I feel pleasantly surprised wow mm. this is amazing and you look back at that and you're like that was the bare minimum why was why were we amazed excited. yeah because we've yeah. never had you just don't you're just not used to it it's like you mentioned that Maybelline mousse and I remember it like <laughs> I used it, my sister, both my sisters used it, we're all different ages, and I remember thinking, oh, it looks so muddy, because it, the tones, it's like I was talking to somebody the other day, you, me and you are both mixed race, we're both light, but uh, apart from that, there's no similarity, I'm very yellow, you've got red, you've got brown, like, and that's just us being mixed race women, the... Yeah. The breadth of tones and shades, it's actually a joke that Rihanna had to change the whole beauty system. Like, that's essentially what happened. Um, yeah, definitely. 
you're a model now. And I want us to get into that because I know there will be things that come up for you about your hair, um, about your skin tone, perhaps about people not knowing how to do your hair. So I've always felt with you from what I know of you, you do have a really solid self-belief, a very healthy love for yourself. I remember you took part in, you know, the what mental health means to me. And I loved that you said you have to remind yourself how great you are. And I thought that was beautiful. Like you said, I have to remind myself how great I can be. And I love that. So it seems like your parents definitely set you up to be, you know, that type of person. But I wanted to ask, how has the modeling industry changed that? Has it changed that? Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting because um, I did a video last year. Um, I'm not sure, I, you probably have seen it, um, an IGTV, and it was very much about the experience that I'd had in the modeling industry about my hair. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, it was a message to say, stop, like, stop this all. My hair is a part of me. It's not just for a shoot. It deserves respect. And it was a point where I've never been so busy ever uh, as a model last year, probably partially due to the pandemic and the way that things have been really locked down. And then finally, when you could work, everything was like full speed. Okay. And I was working every single day, hardly ever having breaks, uh, 10 day weeks, uh, yeah, 10 day weeks almost. And for that reason, I came across a lot of different experiences on set and realized as well that, you know, I was expected to turn up with my hair already done or I'd go to set and there'd be, you know, three models and two hairstylist tires for them to. And so then you just weren't catered for, like? No, not at all. And the expectation is that natural hair means that you wake up with it naturally being perfect. (laughs) Or, you know, the idea that basically I'm saving you money and I do the job that you pay these women to do for these these girls with straight hair. Um, So even before that, and I, I did in this video, basically I admitted that it's hard for me to come to terms with the fact that being this person who's always really been brought up to, you know, believe who I, in who I am and be proud of that, that I was brought into a place at one point where I felt like I wasn't pretty enough when I had curly hair and that I had to straighten my hair. And for that reason, I suffered with oh, oh, horrendous, horrendous hair damage. And oh, my wow. So you were straightening. Hair. You started straightening your hair. Yes. Yeah. So this was before last year. So last year I sort of came to this sort of I don't know. Uh, I, I acknowledged the fact that you know I am this strong person, and look at the fact that even a confident person like me, that you know you all think I'm confident, but this really got to me at one point. And you know. Ultimately, I think it's just it's a trend in the modeling industry in itself. It's a culture where you're so desperate to be liked. Uh, not so much friends, it's more so obviously clients. Please sign me agencies, yeah. please. I want to be good enough. I want to be pretty enough. I want to be skinny enough. And then it's the same for clients. Please, please, like hire me. Please hire me. I'll do whatever. And doing whatever meant that I was compromising not only, you know, my hair damage physical. Hair damage, 
but mentally my whole you know the way that I felt about myself was damaged for that reason um, and I would be told in the industry Kelly Head won't work for this or <laughs> also the, and this still goes on and it, oh, it annoys me so much the idea that you know we like girls with um, straight slick sexy hair Wow, and then I'm all I'm just so a girl with curly hair. Then because curly hair isn't sexy, or it isn't woman enough, or you know that type of stuff. And even then, as a young girl, you know I started modelling at uh, seventeen, so I'm just about to go out uh, clubbing, mm-hmm. and I'm having to straighten my hair then because I mean it's not good enough when I go to uh, I don't know this brand, I wouldn't name brands, when I go to this brand, and that brand I buy my stuff to go out in and the girls on these websites are all wearing straight hair I'm now looking at outfits and saying I think that was worked with straight but I don't think it's going to work with curly hair yeah. and for that reason going out clubbing oh my god I've got to straighten my hair how many hours am I going to have to put aside to get ready it infected that attitude infected every part of my life aside from work so yeah wow. it's, it's definitely a lot to unpack but that sort of ultimately the base of, of how I was brought up and then coming into contact with the modeling industry completely destroyed that basically with hair anyway there's two things I wanted to ask just like first of all what was what was the could you can you remember any moments that were the first inkling that maybe you weren't what they wanted like do you remember specific times when somebody commented on your hair um I used to have like a load of things. Mm. Um, I remember aging for sure. So, and I think that's a lot of it. That's a massive part because they're the gateway to clients. And sometimes I think that they create standards themselves and will almost put it on you when they don't get jobs for you. And I think that's a real problem that has to be addressed. That you know, bringing up your agents and saying, "Why haven't I been working?" And they go. Because you haven't been to the gym, that's why. And you're like, wow. You know, you know the, that type of thing, and it really yeah. does benefit them a lot yeah. to be able to turn that on to you. And I think it's good to be aware of that. And that was the same with Kelly Hair. It's like we haven't got pictures of you with straight hair. It's not glam. Kelly Hair isn't glam. And you know, you want to be attracting glam clients. Have they not seen, you know, Donna Summer, people from the 70s, like, Big curly hair is the epitome of glam, as far as I'm concerned. Exactly, exactly. It's it's like ridiculous now for me to look back and be like, I can't believe I believe these women. Yeah, but I, I, I can't can believe because it. it's pressure. You know, that's like you said, you really wanted to get these jobs, and yeah. if you feel that way, you can pretty much guarantee there are thousands of young girls right now that are going through the same thing especially when it comes to, you know, size, that's a whole other thing. But how did you get back to who you were then? What what did it take for you to be like, enough is enough, I'm going to embrace my curls? Well, I went to a London agent. And this was like my first time really going and uh, discovering agencies. And I think I really felt confident in myself at this point too. Um. And I'd also met my hairdresser. That was a big part as well, James. Shall talk to you because he knows very well that he changed my life basically. Wow. Um, before James, I'd never been to a hairdresser, and that's also a massive thing. It's like 
finally I'm stuck in a hairdresser's and I'm like, wow, like the women are gossiping and, you know, everyone's having a good time. I can have a glass of Prosecco or a cup of tea. And, and this is really a big part. And I saw that a lot through my boyfriend, Rio, when he would go to the barbers and come out and have a massive boost in morale. And this barber chat, it seemed to be something that he really enjoyed and loved. Yeah. And I never was ever a part of that on the, you know, the female side of things. Yeah. I didn't go to It the seems like you missed out because I'm, yeah. you know, I feel like our backgrounds are kind of similar. But at the same time, I was definitely going to the salon from early. And yeah. it was that whole, I didn't even know that I had curly hair until I was in my 20s. I used to think... I just had an afro, like, because, you know, my mum's English. I think when I was little, she used to style my hair with Vaseline. So I'd end up with a greasy head. And then, you know, as you grow older, you want to try things. And I had it relaxed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, it moves, you know. So, but with that came damage. So I would be on again, off again and try different things. And then... I think it was going to a different hair salon. It just changed my my life one day. They started using curl products that, you know, I could see how my hair would bounce up and down. I was like, I've got curly hair? I didn't even know. Um, But it sounds like you missed out on that whole vibe of, like, being in the salon. Um, Yeah, definitely. Another thing I didn't, and you sort of touched on this, I didn't really know how to style my hair. I didn't really know how to do it. You just you know, you mix a bit of conditioner with some water yeah. and slap it put it on and hope, you know, rake <laughs> it through. And some days the curls are amazing and some days they're not. And that's just something you accept. That's it. Yeah. Um, until, you know, I meet James and he's like, no, you shouldn't just be going to the shop and buying any old shampoo and conditioner and put it on. You know, there's, there's some stuff in this that will really, really dry your hair out. No, you shouldn't be washing your hair as much as you are. You know, you need a trim for one. You need to stop straightening your hair. There's a lot of things there that really helped me with. And I looked up a lot of things after that too. And finally knew the right places to look. Um, so with that and then going to see new London agents, I remember one and this was a, you know, a massive one. I was with the squad. And when I went and met them, you know, I loved Jordan Dunn. And oh, even yeah. as like a younger girl. Just, you know, in school, as you do, I remember Cara Delevingne was one of my yeah. mate's favourite girls. And Jordan Dunn was almost mine because there's a girl that looks yeah. like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I loved the story that she'd been scouted in Primark. And I really thought <laughs> yeah. that was cool until I joined the modelling industry and realised everyone is scouted in <laughs> random places <laughs> all of the time. Um, <laughs> you know, Oxford Street, so Vogue that story mm-hmm. so going to the squad where she was signed was like a massive deal and finally I did get signed there and they did say to me why are you straightening your hair it looks so much better Curly and our oh. clients would love it Curly and for once you know it really gave me this feeling of, of, of belonging somewhere and it definitely did in school as, as well I remember being too tall mm-hmm. um I, I really got tall at one point and all of my friends were like still very, very small, still are today. <laughs> um, I wore sandals at prom and a long dress 
everyone else wore heels and finally was my height. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was like, I was she walking around like that. I was she bouncing around like she's amazing in heels. And I was like, oh, there they are. <laughs> yeah. So interestingly, I had this different, this like polarized experience where on the one hand, modeling almost destroyed, you know, who I was, yeah. how I felt about yeah. myself. And then on the other, gave me a place where I finally did belong and I think that's also a difference when I think a lot of people read about the modeling industry they forget to understand that you know there is a difference between market and what's acceptable in terms of body standards in terms of you know race in terms of everything in one market will be completely different in another so you will you know obviously there is some fault there's a lot of fault but yeah. there are places where you could find a place where you belong, finally. And I did with London. And one of the London brands was just really, uh, they were the ones that I knew of and I grew yeah. up with for so long, of course, because London is the most established sort of fashion space in yeah. England. Yeah. So to hear of these brands and, you know, these are a possibility in Cosmo, we, we market you towards Cosmo and they'd love you with Kaylee here. That was, I think, a massive part. And after that, I came back and stopped straightening my hair. I went quiet for a little bit, didn't wear for a little bit. Um, and that allowed me to stop for a sec. Yeah. And quickly, my hair started to bounce back. And I got a little bit of a bounce back. I do look at pictures now, though, and it looks <laughs> completely different and horrendous. And I'm like, how would I walk <laughs> around like that? But I started to try and make it look cool. Yeah. And ultimately, I did. I, I figured it out, and I now obviously feel a lot better with it. That's sort of where it went, and the the journey ultimately in the the modeling industry for me. If you could give advice to your younger self now, what would you tell her? I'd say a lot of things, to be honest. But I think ultimately, there, there is a place in this world. The world is big enough for you to feel like you belong somewhere you will always find that place. Um, the same way, you know, I know people have been told in certain areas of the world, they say, oh, we don't really like this or we don't really, you know, there's different beauty standards. And even, you know, the European beauty standards, which is, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. I go to Germany and they absolutely love me. And it, it happens. And yeah. that sort of, I think that's the biggest thing that I would say to myself because, that's what I wanted to feel, and I, I spoke to you about it. In school, I actually really did feel ugly. I really did, and I know I think people will be really shocked to know that because I think they think model means that you instantly know who you are, <laughs> you know you're good looking, and you're confident. I, yeah, I really didn't, and I really thought family members were lying when they say she could be a model, and I was like, oh, stop it, man! You're me, man. You're supposed to say that. <laughs> I think that's sort of why I am the way I am too and why really in a nice way the modeling industry and being a model has allowed me to switch off if I go to work yeah I care about how I look on camera once you know that job is done I go to an event you know I went last night I go to a party who cares what I look like I, do, I really do not care let's take a group picture let's just have memories and let me have fun because Modeling is my day job. I don't have to worry about how I look any other time. Yeah. And I think I really have, have loved just having fun and 
knowing that when you're happy and having fun, the pictures will look great. Yeah. You will look great. And you'll you'll cherish some photos even more so when you are having fun in the pictures. So that's definitely um that's a, probably a longer explanation than, than you wanted, but No, no, it's all part a of you. There. It's and all... There's, yeah, there's a different mindset now that I'm at and I wish I would have got there at a younger age, but I'm here now and you know, it's still a journey every single day. But Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about as a model, you know, because that is part of your life. But as a human, when do you feel like you're most, the most real version of you? I think it's touching back on what I said in your mental health episode. It's really like, I've got to be doing something to feel fulfilled almost. Um, I'm, I think it's about knowing your calling and what you're, here to do and for me because of the experience that I had in school I went through a lot of racism Um, I have always had the attitude that it happened to me I can't watch discrimination happen to anyone else so for me a lot of you know the way that I feel fulfilled is, is helping other people embrace who they are mm-hmm. and also guarding them and being their defenders at times and you know not to call myself a saviour but no, but you are studying gonna, law, so that's obviously. In I'm you. gonna be the. I'm gonna be that by you know bystander that I wanted at that point. I'm not gonna be the passive bystander any like for anyone else because I know how that felt. I'm gonna be that person that I always wanted to, to stand up for me. So that's truly where I feel like I'm being me, and for sure I love modeling but I think the perfect job would be something crossed along them ways where it's you know this is who I am this is how I choose the face of this because of this yeah that's ultimately you know I do a lot of my sort of extracurricular stuff uh, on a forum where I do that type of uh, equality work final question from me is what would you say is the number one thing that people assume about you being a model? Well, let's say the let's say the one that annoys me the most okay. because it really does annoy me. Um, the fact that like you can't being good looking or being a model and having a brain are mutually exclusive. Wow, <laughs> that that is it, and people are really really shocked when I open my mouth and they're like, oh, like you wow. Yeah, you could string together a sentence. Wow. They're like having a heart attack when they hear that I've done more. And it's like, you know, it, it happens to these people. I have a friend who's got a first and a master's degree and she did it whilst being a model. It, it happens. These are the women of today. Wow. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast and feel free to slide into the DMs. Do please like, subscribe and review. It really helps Beauty Me be seen. Beauty Me.